Snap, O'Connell looking left, looking left, now to his right. He's got room to run. And he's going to tuck it and run, and he's got room. O'Connell running for the first down, and he'll get it. Aiden O'Connell on that play, showing his legs, good timing. He surveyed the entire field. The seven yards did what he had to do on that play. I thought that was overall a really solid play for him. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. JT on the call right there. Aiden O'Connell with a scramble for a first down. That was a play that to me showed a lot about Aiden O'Connell. He didn't panic. He surveyed the field as you heard JT describe right there. He went through all his options, then looked to the side and saw nothing but grass there and said, you know what, let me go pick up this first down. He's not fleet of foot. He's not ever going to be mistaken as a guy that's going to run around the yard. He's not that guy. I was a little disappointed when the Raiders drafted him, and I have no problem admitting this, because I was hoping that they were going to get a guy that had a little bit more wheels. He's not that guy. But as you can tell by that first down run, he's not afraid to take off and pick up the first down. That's important. You've got to be willing to take that step and go – when it's there, go get it. I remember a conversation I had with Rich Gannon probably about four or five years ago. I was still in Texas at the time. And we were talking about, you know, Derek Carr taking the next step. And I kept and I asked him, what does he have to do next? And he said, Q, the most important thing is when that grass is there and you could go pick up four or five yards, it might not be the design of the play. You have to take it. You have to take those yards and keep the drive going. That's what he'd like to see. And that was something that John Gruden – Tried to pound in Derek Carr's head. That was something that, you know, Josh McDaniels didn't really pound in his head too much. He he's, didn't really want to see him leave the pocket too much. But at the same time, you've got to pick up those, those yards right there to keep a drive going. And Aiden O'Connell, to his credit, did not look like he was panicked. He didn't take off just when his first read wasn't there. Some quarterbacks do that. And you know that, oh, man, that's, that's bad. They're nervous in the pocket. Oh, my read's not there. I got to go. Instead, he surveyed the field. He was standing tall in the pocket, and then last option, last resort, all right, I'm out. And he did that and picked up the first down, showed that poise in the pocket that we've been talking about here on the show quite a bit. So that, to me, was a play that pretty much impressed me with with what he was able to do. And, again, a guy not throwing the ball but just making a very smart football play. As far as I'm concerned, this is Unnecessary Roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. We like to call it Studio Q. We got Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. She's coming up at 3.30. We'll talk all things Aces. We'll talk all things UNLV with Paloma. That's coming up at 3.30. We'll even ask her about Josh Jacobs. She's got a good relationship with Josh. Uh, so if she's heard anything, we'll ask her. You know, maybe she has. Maybe, maybe she'll give us some great breaking news on the air. I doubt it, but we'll ask <laughs> because that's what – we do, but I did throw the question out there, 69187, keyword R&R, and also the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Who is it that you believe needs to have a big week in final preseason game number three, or who do you feel could be on the roster bubble? And then is there a player that you've been pleasantly surprised by so far? For me, I threw out Drake Thomas and Kurt, Curtis Bolton as guys I've been surprised, or not surprised by. Well, yeah, pleasantly surprised by, I should say. Uh, guys that have really stood out to me, especially in that last preseason game against the Rams. And I don't want to put too much stock in it, but just seeing the willingness to fly around and make the plays that they did, I thought that that was pretty impressive. Guys that I feel like still have some work to do, really Amik Robertson. I think he's got some work to do. Uh, I know the offensive line still got some work to do, and this is more of a not like you're going to not make the roster, but I think that that battle for the right tackle spot is still there. Jermaine Illuminor, Thayer Munford, right? Is Alex Barr going to be the guy at guard? Is someone else going to step up and take that spot? So, you know, and then I think that 
that uh, Trayvon Merrick still has work to do. Not that he's going to lose his roster spot, but he's still got work to do to prove that he could be that guy. But definitely want to hear from you, 702-365-9200 and the WBroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r We'll get to a couple texts real quick. <clears throat> this one's from Raider James. He said, hey, Q, I want to see more of Cam Sims. That jump ball touchdown catch was an elite play. Six foot five inches with hops. The red zone play is unguardable. He seems hungry for this opportunity. That's Raider James. I'm glad you brought him up because when he made that catch, I realized how big he really was. You mentioned his size, six foot five. The Raiders don't have that guy. And so I was thinking with all the wide receivers they have in that room, they've got like 11 dudes. They've got speed and Trey Turner, or Trey, yeah, Trey Tucker, excuse me. Uh, they, got, they, got, um, they got speed and DeAndre Carter, right? They've got, they've got Philip Dorsett is speed. They've got all around great wide receiver in Devontae Adams. They got a, a taller guy, and Jacoby Myers is not the fastest guy, but he's, he's going to get open. Hunter Renfro, you know what he brings to the table. But that Cam Sims, he's just – that size is different. It's just you just can't – you can't replicate that, right? And so that's – I'm interested. I'm interested in Cam Sims, Christian Wilkerson, you know, where do they fit in? Even Keelan Cole. Like I, I kind of somewhat goof on Keelan Cole at times because he's somewhat of a goofy guy. I mean, he'll say that. He, he, he always is acting a fool in the locker room in a good way, not a, not a disrespectful way, but just funny. So those three guys, I'm interested to see how they fall in line. Again, 11 wide receivers aren't going to make the squad. So Cam Sims, I think that's a really good one, Raider James. Really good one. Love to see what Cam Sims could do uh, as well. Glenn in San Jose said, what up, Q? Not sure about bubble players, but if Drake Thomas can show that one more time, it'd be hard to keep him off the roster. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a big fact. And I, I, think, that, I think that there's really a, a special place for him. It might be practice squad off top. But if it is, I think that there's a chance that a team might come get him, especially if he has another big game like he did on Saturday. I mean, the dude was everywhere. When you have Matt Millen, when you have Matt Millen, the great Matt Millen talking about you and have glowing reviews about you during a game, that means you're doing something. If you catch the attention of a guy like Matt Millen, you've done something. So, yeah, I think that Drake Thomas is definitely on his way to some really good stuff. So uh, thank you so much for that uh, text. We do appreciate you and keep that feedback coming at 69187, keyword R&R. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick, talk to our guy Raider Toon. Welcome to the show, my man. What's on your mind? Hey, what's going on, man? You know, one player I kind of really want to see step up, make some plays, is, is Christopher Smith at the safety spot. I know the safety spot's probably already a done deal. They kind of pretty much know who they want um, with Epps and, and, and uh, Morridge out there. But if we can see some plays from Christopher Smith and if Trey Tucker can just put together a little bit more consistency, uh, those are two guys I feel like that last preseason game, they can, they can still go in there and, and, and kind of build their roster spot and solidify where they're going to land on the roster. That's all I got, though. Hey, great great call, man. And I, I think Chris Smith is going to be good. I really do. And he I hate to be that guy. He almost made a play on Saturday, right? I mean, he was, he was right there in the vicinity of where you're supposed to be. He, to me, this is just from a distance, just observing, he is a guy that has just a nose for the ball. He's going to have to learn, and this is why I think that Marcus Epps and Trayvon Merrick are going to be fine going into the season. But I think at some point Chris Smith could easily take that spot if Trayvon Merrick's not playing at the level he's supposed to be. Chris Smith is a guy. He's a guy that, that gets it, right? I mean, he's been described from Dave Ziegler as a, as, you know, a young Jerron Harmon. And I know how much Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels and Patrick Graham respect the hell out of Jerron Harmon. So if he could be a young – Jerron Harmon, where he's not the most athletic dude, he's not the fastest dude out there, but he can go make plays. And you go back and look what he did at Georgia, he made plays. 
Did he get beat a couple times? Sure. Everyone's going to get beat a few times. I mean, that's the inevitable. If you step out on that football field, you're going to have a bad day, right? So there's that. I, I just I think Chris Smith has an opportunity to be a really good player. I want to pass along this tweet I just saw from Vic Tafer. Apparently uh, some of the players like uh, Zamir White, Devon Diablo, and Jakob Johnson are talking to the media right now at the Intermount Healthcare Performance Center. Uh, Vic said, Zamir White said, Josh Jacobs texted him yesterday to check in on how he was doing. So it's not an earth-shattering text or an earth-shattering tweet, but obviously there's a little communication between Josh Jacobs and Zamir White. So uh, obviously Zamir is not going to come out and talk about you know the nature of their, any conversation that they have. But to know that Josh is making some communication, I think that that's a, I think that's a big deal, right? That he's, uh, you know, that he's having some kind of communication with his teammates. So uh, he's he's checking in on them. I think there's some interest there in him being in camp, and I do believe that he'll probably show up sooner rather than later. But if you missed the conversation we had with Amber Theo Harris in the first hour, is a really good one, and she just talked about what we've talked about quite a bit on the show, and I know uh, Vegas Pete has mentioned it a few times. Guys that hold out and don't get lathered up, don't get a little bit of uh, you know, hit a few times throughout the course of training camp or preseason. A lot of times they get those soft tissue ish injuries. And, you know, she, she mentioned, she referenced De, uh, Debo Samuel. So in his words, he didn't have a very good season last year. And a lot of it was because he wasn't in the, he, he wasn't in game shape. He held out because of the contract situation and it just never really turned into what he wanted from himself, from outside looking in, he had a great season, but for him, he didn't have the season that he wanted to. So uh, yeah, there you go. A little, Little news right there. J- Josh Jacobs reading out to Zamir White and checking in on him, see how he's doing. Let's go back out to the phone lines, talk to our guy, Raider X. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, hey. Uh, I wanted to uh, – my my thought is Nesta J. Silvera. I want okay. to think that he's, uh, you know, he's kind of on the border, but I think he's got so much talent that uh, I hate to see him try to be stuffed on that uh, practice squad. I want to see him get a sack. Uh, I see that constant pressure, and I want to see him, you know, break that barrier and put him into the rotation uh, for some depth on that D line. And also, <clears throat> in the on the tight end, I want to see that guy Horstead or was it Horse for, for, uh, Horstead? Name Horstead. There you go. Thank you. Thank yep. you, bro. Yep. Um, you know, with the two different players, I mean, one's got a little bit of speed. He kind of had that little bit of the tweener of that of that wide receiver in a in a Titans body. You know, kind of stretch the field. But the other guy, Forstead, that you know is he he's a traditional tight end. But I think they're both you know kind of you know maybe one is that blocking tight end and gives them you know I mean is that that mayor type of thing where he can block and also play the additional lineman, or you got somebody again that can like you're talking about Sims that can actually go out there and stretch the field and, and give you a little bit of speed, a little quickness with some size, you know, especially in the red zone, which everybody knows we need to improve on the red zone. So those are my thoughts of my two positions, three different players. There you go. Thanks so much. I do appreciate you. And, again, Jesper Horstead is one of the tight ends that you were talking about. And then the, uh, the other one, Cole For- uh, Fotheringham, is the other one. One is six foot three, the other one is six foot four. And they do have a little bit of, you know, a little, little difference in their game. And they've both showed up. So far, they both showing up in some preseason action. So uh, thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Got one more text, and then we'll get to some uh, head coach Josh McDaniel sound. This one is from Snake Man. He said, thinking roster has already been decided. Maybe linebacker battle between Masterson and Thomas. Is Masterson really a lock? P.S. I'm going to go on a record and say Trey Tucker reminds of a young Antonio Brown. The cray-cray <laughs> has shown ability to run nuanced, crisp, and explosive routes. Sure up those hands. Look out. That's Snake Man. And, 
Thank you for that text. I appreciate you. And, yeah, I think a lot of the roster is definitely solidified. But I think there's some guys that are on the roster bubble for sure. Uh, and I think that this is the position Amik Robertson was in a year ago. I think he was on the roster bubble and had to show out a little bit just to continue to, to earn his spot. And, you know, there's, there's hungry guys. Anyone who's in, wearing a uniform, who's in that locker room right now, they know what time it is. They know that the, the calendar says the 23rd and that the roster cutdown dates the 29th. That's six days from now. So they may never play in the NFL again, not all of them, but there may be some that never, ever see an a, a NFL locker room again after they get released coming up next week. So they're going to put everything that they got out there. I do believe that there's a couple spots that could be had, uh, starting spots and, and also rotational depth pieces, right? I mean, there, there could be a, a situation where this week of practice determines who's going to be that right tackle to start the season. Very well could be. Who knows who's, who's going to go play on, on Saturday against Cowboys? But maybe, maybe somebody's able to earn that. I think that it was kind of telling on Saturday last week against the Rams that you had Illuminor at the left tackle spot and you had uh, Thayer Mufford at the right tackle spot just kind of showing the versatility. And I think that that almost leans towards the, the uh, Jermaine Illuminor being that swing tackle because he, he's already proven that he could be that guy. So it feels like that the Raiders are very comfortable with him at the swing tackle spot. Now is he going to be the starter at right tackle, which I know is what he wants, but is that the best thing for the team, right? I mean, again, it might not be what he wants. If, if they feel like Thayer Mufford can hold that spot down, I think his size is what they prefer. But that's just me. Like I said, I'm just spitballing. I don't, I don't have any idea exactly what they're looking for. Uh, we may get a little bit of an idea tomorrow when we talk to Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly. Whatever time that is, maybe we'll have an opportunity to get an idea of what they're looking for. But I think there's a few spots that could be up for grabs. Masterson, is he a lock? No. I don't think anybody – in that, in that uh, linebacker room outside of, what, Diablo and Spillane? I mean, who else is the locks there, right? I mean, the, the rest of the guys are all young dudes, right? And, but I, I do think that they like Masterson a lot. Right? He played quite a bit last year, and they, they've talked pretty highly about him so far uh, during training camp. So I do think that they like him, but I don't think anybody's really a lock. That's, that's, that's tough sledding right now on, uh, on August 23rd to say that somebody – is a lock. But thank you so much for that text. And like I said, keep those texts coming. 69187, keyword R&R. Who is it that you believe needs to have a big week, final preseason game number three? Could they potentially be on the roster bubble? And is there a player that you've been pleasantly surprised by so far? Again, 69187, keyword R&R. I did want to get into some sound from head coach Joshua Daniels. We met with him earlier at the Raiders facility. And the first one is about the standard. We've been talking about the standard quite a bit here on the show. And uh, again, it's not the standard that the player that the coaches are setting. It's not the standard that Dave Ziegler is setting. Mark Davis is not setting the standard. It's the team setting the standard. Ultimately, we've said from the beginning it's theirs. Um, we can only describe what we're looking for and what we want and try to hold them accountable to a standard of performance each day. At the end of the day, whatever we end up doing ultimately will be what they want the standard to be. You know, whether, you know, they, they, the way we work each week, how we play, how resilient we are when we're behind, um, how uh, ready to close the game out in the second half when we're ahead. Um, you know, how do you bounce back from a defeat? How do you handle victory and success? Um, you know, all of those things, there's a standard that will apply. And so at the end of the day, I, I can stand up there and talk all I want to. Um, you know, the players ultimately, they want to win. 
And so it's their standard when they get to the field, and they know that. And we're responsible to put them in great positions and help them win. Uh, but I think our leadership has been fantastic. And some of the guys you mentioned, along with a number of other guys that have been here, you know, Colton Miller and Max Crosby, A.J. Cole, Daniel Carlson. I mean, we got a number of guys that have been uh, really assertive in terms of, you know, helping their rooms or their side of the ball really understand what they're looking for. Head coach Joshua Daniels talking about the team setting the standard and mentioned some of the players. You heard them right there. Uh, the question was posed to him talking about guys like Marcus Peters, guys like Marcus Epps, you know, guys that were brought in as free agents, uh, Robert Spillane to help set the standard and raise the standard. And so, yeah, those guys are helping out in a major way. I think Peters brings a nice little swag, as Amber Theo Harris described it earlier, brings a nice little swag to the team. But guys like Colton Miller, guys like Max Crosby, guys that have been there, done that, want to win. I think that that's a big deal. How about the two rookies? How about Tyree Wilson and, and Michael Mayer? Here's uh, head coach Joshua Daniels just talking about what he's seen from those two guys so far through training camp and preseason. Tyree's uh, doing well. Um, you know, excited to kind of, you know, continue to move forward here. Uh, we, we got, you know, a handful of individual reps last uh, last week. Got a couple one-on-ones, as you guys saw. Um, and then yesterday we were able to kind of move forward into some team stuff, and now we'll be pads. And so it's kind of, you know, progressing the way we wanted it to. And uh, we'll keep being smart and diligent, following the direction of the medical people there. But um, he's doing great. Um, excited to continue that process with him. And Michael's just, um, you know, learning every day, sponge, um, works really hard. You guys got to talk to him yesterday. I mean, great attitude. Um, you know, really, really a quick study in terms of some of the things that you need to be able to, to do well. Um, you know, tight end's a tough position to play, you know, right off the bat, you know, and, and do everything the way that it needs to get done at a, at a winning level, you know, because you, know, you have to run block, pass protect, you know, run routes, get open, you know, difference between man and zone, uh, different coverage, you know, read the safety. You know, there's a lot of things that go into that. So, um, he's hard at work at it, uh, making progress every day. So there you go. There's head coach Joshua Daniels. You hear him talking about Tyree Wilson and Michael Mayer. And Michael Mayer had that welcome to the NFL moment against Max Crosby. And better to have it against Max Crosby than have it week one against a Denver opponent or week two against a Buffalo opponent or week three against a Pittsburgh guy, right? I mean, it's, it's better that he's happening in, in training camp so he can learn from it and move forward. And Tyree Wilson sounds like the plan is going. I know nobody likes to hear that. Oh, when they're, they're not going to say anything about the injuries. They're going to shut him down. He's not going to be available. It seems like everything that they expected has been, it's been going that way, right? They expected him to be ready at a certain time. He was. They're working on getting him out there at a certain time. They did. Put some pads on him. They will. Get him in team drills. They have, right? I mean, it just seems like they're not going to go at my pace. They're not going to go at Ari's pace. They're not going to go at Raider Nation's pace. They're going to go at the pace that has been set for in front of Tyree Wilson, just like they did with Jimmy G. And nobody liked it. Nobody wants that. Everyone wants things right now. I say it all the time. We live in a microwave society. And as a guy that uses the microwave for everything, I understand, right? I mean, it's just immediately it's got to be done. But that's not the world that they live in. They live in the world of allowing everything to develop the way it's supposed to develop and not rush a guy back too fast because what's the point of that? You bring him back too fast and he's not ready, what's going to happen? He's going to be injured again. So they want to make sure once they get that rookie out there, then he's good to go. And I think that that's what everyone really ultimately wants to see. Hopefully you never have to hear about a Tyree Wilson foot injury again. That's, that's the end-all, be-all goal, right? So don't rush him right now. He's not going to get any sacks that matter August 23rd. 
What's going to matter is what happens between September and, and February, right? Hopefully they're still playing up to February. But they, they, that's what matters is what happens through September through the regular season, through week one, through week 18. And hopefully they've earned a little bit extra time, an, an extra game or two, right? Just that's what, that's what the goal is. So that's what Tyree Wilson needs to be ready for. So that's what they're trying to do. And I, I think that that's the right approach. That's the way to do it. We got one more soundbite. Uh, and this is something that I wanted to make sure that we asked. And Vic Tafer actually asked him about Chandler Jones. Is there any update on him? He hasn't been out there since the second joint practice day against the San Francisco 49ers. That's the last time that we saw him. So is there an update on Chandler Jones? Well, again, we have a hand, I'd say a handful of guys that are getting closer. Um, I think he's in that bucket. So working through just, you know, trying to get right and, um, again, we, we had to we had to stretch a you know a number of days in pads that we were allowed to be in pads. So um, you know, there's probably six, eight, ten guys here that are continue to work through it. So hopefully, we're getting closer. There you go. That's an update on Chandler Jones and a couple other players. Without being specific, uh, they got a handful of guys that you know that haven't been out there and, and are working through some injuries. And hopefully, they're able to really heal up and get ready for Week One. Uh, again, I don't think you'll see a lot of these dudes on Saturday against the Cowboys. It'll just be one of those. They get through it and then get ready for uh, for week one, you know, fit the roster the way it's supposed to be, uh, set the roster the way that they want it, and then get ready for week one. That's how I expect it to go. But, really, there's some guys that have been, you know, banged up a little bit. You know, I hope Dylan Parham is able to come back sooner rather than later. hope Chandler Jones is available sooner rather than later. You know, Nate Hobbs, I know he's dealing with a little something-something. Uh, Hunter Renfro is dealing with a shoulder injury. So, you know, guys like that you're hoping could be healed up and ready to go by the beginning of the season. we got time for a couple more little sound bites real quick. Uh, how about this one on the developmental players and keeping developmental players around the team and how important they are to have? You're trying to think of what's best for the team now. Uh, you're also trying to think what's best for the team as we go forward. Um, you can't just do everything in a short-term window. And so we know that, you know, there are some young players that are developing that ultimately they are not what they're going to be yet. But you have to make an educated decision on whether or not you feel like, you know, through continued work and effort from the player and the coaches uh, that they're going to, you know, that'll change for the better in certain ways um, and ultimately impact the team. Obviously, some of that has to do with, you know, the construction of the salary cap and, you know, cost, et cetera. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into it. Um, some are trying to figure out, you know, how you can put together your best 69 or 70 players to work with, continuing to work with guys on the practice squad. So certain decisions, you know, you try to do the best you can on those two. Nothing's ever a sure thing when you release a player or and try to get them on the practice squad. But, um, you know, that's basically what this next so many days is about, is trying to figure out how do we put the best uh, group of guys together that we can continue to work with through the course of the season, develop, understanding that a number of those guys that start in the practice squad will ultimately – eventually play for us um, as they did last year. We saw a number of guys like that in that role eventually contribute in multiple ways on our team last year. So a lot that goes into it. Uh, it's not a simple thing. Kind of about the dynamic right there from Coach McDaniels of, you know, the process of trying to put together the roster and figuring out what players that you keep that you know what they're going to provide and what players you think are going to get better or have a chance to get better and really help bolster your team. I mean, it's, it's a fine art. 
I'm glad I don't have to figure it out, right? They have to work on that. That's that's what they're in charge of doing, trying to figure out exactly what fits and what doesn't. You heard them break it down right there, you know, just talking about guys that you expect to get better, guys that, that aren't what they're supposed to be or going to be, but you know that they have the ability to get better. That's the biggest thing. There could be guys that are raw, raw talent right now, but if they have the ability to get better and you can see it, by the way that you coach them up and the way that they respond to coaching, then that's worth taking a flyer on them. But if they're just somebody that has raw talent and you see something positive in them, but they're not willing to put in the work or they're not willing to listen and be coached up, then it's just like, okay, well, yeah, you got raw talent, but it's really for nothing because you're not going to go any further than just right there. And that's, I mean, that's really a life thing. We see that all the time, right? We see people that have plenty of talent that don't know what the hell to do with it because, well, they're not coachable. So, you know, they have to – you have to be coachable. And so these that's what these coaches are doing right now. It's with Dave Ziegler. That's why he's out there at practice every day watching to see how guys, you know, if they might make a mistake, how they get coached up and how they take that coaching. That was one of the things that impressed me when uh, when the secondary coach, Jason Simmons, was talking about Ja'Cory and Bennett. When I asked him about him, he said the first thing that's most important about Ja'Cory and Bennett is he was raised right. And he goes on and on about his parents did a great job with them. And I said, well, how does that translate into what he's going to do on the field? Not that that's a bad thing, but how does that translate? And he said, well, that means that I can coach him up and he can be coached up the right way and he'll take to the coaching and he'll go and apply that and he won't, he won't get offended. He won't take it personal. He won't do this, that, and the other. He'll just go out there and handle his business, understand why we're telling him to do it this way what we're asking of them, and go out there and execute. So that's, that's really high praise right there. So that's what they're looking for, players like that, that they know have the ability to get better. Those are the ones that are going to stick around, not just guys that you know, look pretty good in, in maybe preseason game or maybe even in training camp session, but they've already reached their ceiling. It's got to be guys that can get better. 325 is the time. We'll continue to take your, uh, your text at 69187, keyword R&R. That's a com text line. Who is it that you believe needs to have a big week? Final preseason game number three. Uh, are they potentially on the roster bubble? And is there a player that's out there, a player or two that's out there that you've been pleasantly surprised by so far? Again, 69187, keyword r Let us know about it. 69187, keyword r Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She joins the show next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. And there's another backdoor cut. Gray to Wilson. Asia's got 47. This 50 undermined. Guess who's going to shoot the technical foul? Asia Wilson. The Las Vegas Aces all-time single-game high of 53 points. It's Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 on Unnecessary Roughness. You just heard T.C. Martin on the call right there talking about Asia Wilson who put on for the city. She put up 53 points. Hell of a performance from Asia leading the Aces to a victory over the dream. Right now, joining us on the phone lines is Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. And Paloma, you heard the call right there. You saw the game. You saw the performance from Asia Wilson. What did you think of the 53 points that she put up last night? Yeah, I mean, his, history. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege that we get to have Asia Wilson in our city. Um, you know, for LeBron James and, you know, NBA greats and, um, you know, for ESPN broadcasters to shout her out and be like, you know, these, what we're seeing right now is history with this Las Vegas Aces team. And, you know, they were amazing last year, you know, the first team to win a professional championship here in Las Vegas. Um, and they're off the charts this year, too. I mean, it's just incredible to see Asia Wilson. You know, anytime I talk to her um, at practice, um, you know, her mentality is just she's so locked in and 
Um, you know, early, early on this season, you know, uh, at around training camp, you know, she told me she wants to be the best player this league has ever seen. Um, and, and she continues to, to show us and prove to us. Um, and her teammates continue to, to pass her the ball because, man, she's going to get a bucket for sure. But, um, yeah, 53 points. I mean, it was just incredible to see that. You know, Kelsey Plum had a, a historic game earlier this season. Chelsea Gray is, um, you know, the best passer in the league, throwing the ball behind her with eyes closed. And, um, you know, the, what can you say about this Las Vegas Aces team? They're loaded. They're talented. Um, you know, they're they're resilient. And, and they're only getting better. And I think that's the Becky Hammond effect. You know, we're starting to see these players, um, you know, really shine and, and really hit new levels in their game. Uh, because Becky is, you know, the all-time competitor. You know, she's incredibly competitive, a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, so when the Aces hired Becky Hammond two years ago, um, I knew it was going to be a game changer for the Aces. And, you know, I hope all the little girls out there in Las Vegas are seeing the Aces and, um, you know, looking at Asia Wilson's mentality. And, you know, I hope that's contagious to, to young girls being like, wow, you know, I can go out there and achieve my dreams and make history. Um, and that's something you can do here in Las Vegas. So um, incredible, incredible performance by Asia Wilson. And, um, you know, I think she's only 26 or 27. So her, her, her future is so bright in the WNBA. You know, I'm going to go back to the comments that you made that she said she wanted to be the greatest, right? She wanted everyone mm-hmm. to know that she's the greatest. And, look, she's got a championship. She's got multiple MVPs. She's got Defensive Player of the Year. But to me, this year, she is almost playing like she's out to prove something, like someone that doesn't have any kind of awards. It just seems like she's out to almost every time she's on the court, and she's had a couple down games. It just seems like she's trying to prove and almost even play with a chip on her shoulder like she's been slighted when we all know how great she is. Yeah, in every post-game interview, uh, she's so nice. You know, she's a mega superstar, um, you know, but she's so nice. She's so humble. Um, I think she said last night post game, you know, she's just having fun. Uh, she's just having fun with it. But hey, I remember when, uh, you know, they were in New York and they had that nasty road loss in New York. Mm-hmm. And she was like, this isn't me. This isn't how I play basketball. You know, this isn't the aces. So uh, it's fine. We're going to get back on the court, get back to work uh, and get back to our ways. And obviously she, she did just that. But um uh, when you have Asia Wilson on your team, I mean, man, how could you not want to pass her the ball and, and, and see her, um, you know, just take care of business on both ends of the court? I mean, defensively, too. She's right. she's unreal defensively. You know, four block shots last night. She leads, she leads the league in block shots per <laughs> game this year. So offensively, yeah, she's putting up 53 points. And then defensively, man, I don't want to go. I don't want her, you know, on the same court as me at all. <laughs> um, you know, anytime I'm in the gym or, you know, anytime I'm, I'm out playing basketball, I'm like, man, can you imagine if Asia Wilson was out here? Like, we'd get cooked. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, and it's great. I mean, male or female, you know, when you think mm-hmm. of a great basketball player, it's like, man, Asia Wilson comes to mind immediately. Um, so the, the history she's making, um, you know, the, the path that she's blazing for the future generations of not just basketball players, but, you know, all women looking up to her and saying, you know, I hope I can be um, that competitive, that dedicated, um, you know, that, that great at whatever I do, you know, whether it's broadcasting or, you know, your job or playing sports, whatever you want to do, you know, her energy, her competitiveness, her, her work ethic is, is super contagious. So 
really blessed to have Asia Wilson and, and all the aces here in Las Vegas um, that I get to work, you know, side by side with them and be like, man, you know, I'm working with greatness. So, you know, it's it's awesome to see that. And we'll see what happens in the postseason, Q. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, look, last year they hit a, a little stretch there where they, you know, they lost a couple games here and there. And they went on to win the title. The Aces have lost a couple games here and there. And uh, we'll see what happens. They seem like a team that could easily win another title and go back-to-back as champions. Of course, the Liberty are going to have something to say about that. Yep. But Palomas, they get down the stretch. They only have a handful of games left in the regular season. How does Coach Hammond keep them – you know, eyes on the prize, keep them focused each and every game, game in and game out, and at the same time get a little bit of rest and prepare them for the postseason run. Yeah, they got a couple games on the road next against the Sky, the Mystics, and, of course, up in New York against the <laughs> Liberty. So, right. um, you know, and when it comes to the talent in this league queue, you know, there's only 12 teams. So it's like, man, you're going up against the best of the best, uh, the best of the best basketball players in the country. So, um, you know, every team is, is super talented. The Sky – uh, the Liberty, the Aces, I mean, every team is, is, is so incredibly talented, and playing on the road is so tough, too, you know. They're not playing charter. They're, I mean, they're not flying charter. They're flying commercial. They're having to fly across the country, um, dealing with, you know, all the commercials and the different the different airports and all of that. So, man, coming out with a road dub is, is super hard. So, um, Becky Hammond always says, you know, take care of the defensive side of the court. Um, the defensive end, you know, when, when they slip up on the defensive end and, you know, they let five go, they let 10 go, you know, it, it can start going downhill. Um, and we've seen that. We've seen the Aces kind of lose their grit on defense um, and let, let close games slip away from them. So um, that's kind of what we saw against the Liberty in uh, the Commissioner's Cup. You know, it was, it was yeah. a close game, but, man, they had to lock – they had to really lock in on defense when you're going up against an incredibly talented team like the Liberty. So if it's, if it's the aces and the Liberty again in the, in the postseason, which we'll, we'll probably see, man, it's, it's going to be a tough test. Um, and it's just, it just attributes to how talented this league is. You know, you got Sabrina Ionescu, you know, breaking Steph Curry's records, you know, when people think of the WNBA, I mean, I hope they think of the best athletes in the world. Right. Um, you know, you got Asia Wilson and Sabrina Ionescu and Brianna Stewart and, and you know, just a huge, huge pool of, of, of Kelsey Plum and Jackie Young. I mean, the list goes on of these are the best athletes in the world, um, and it's so competitive. So last year's playoffs was insane. The Seattle Aces series was just insane. The Chicago Sky Aces uh, series was insane. So um, the Aces just got to just gotta keep being them, you know, keep being them and, and – and, keep their foot on the gas and you've got Asia Wilson on the court. You got Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum. Um, but it really is, it really is uh, paying attention to the small details. And like Becky Hammond says, always taking care of the defensive end of the court and their offense will, will roll. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Just want to ask you one more question about the Aces. You mentioned the Liberty. That game is coming up in a couple of games. How much do these games and these battles with the Liberty really take out of these young ladies? Because it seems like they leave everything on the court when they're taking on the Liberty. Yeah, the Liberty is just another beast. I mean, they're they're loaded too. The two super teams, um, if you want to call them. But yeah, the Liberty, they're, they're incredibly talented too. And they they got a chip on their shoulder, too. I mean, they, they kind of feel that disrespect. Um, at least that's what I felt during the Commissioner's Cup. Like, yeah, we came to Vegas. Yeah, we beat the Aces. Yeah, we, you know, won our first Commissioner's Cup. Like, they kind of have that chip on their shoulder that, you know, they want to be talked about being the, as, as the best team in the league, too. So 
they're coming. They're coming for the <laughs> Aces. They want to they wanna win a championship. Um, you know, they're incredibly competitive, too. Like, I would never, ever want to play a game against Sabrina Unescu in my entire life. And the fact that the Aces have to go up against uh, Unescu, John Cole Jones, Brianna Stewart, I mean, it's, it's tough. Like, yeah. I always think about any time I'm at the gym playing basketball, I'm like, man, can you imagine if Sabrina was out here? <laughs> Anytime I'm playing basketball, I'm like, dude, these these players that I get to watch, you know, at, at my job, it's just incredible. I mean, um, you know, it's it's awesome to see how far the WNBA has come to um, and, and the viewership and uh, the resources and Michelob Ultra Arena being sold out, you know, multiple times a week. Um, it's just great. It's great to see the, the sport grow, and it's great that the Las Vegas Aces are kind of paving the way and making that history. I'll tell you what, you can sign me up for the finals with the Liberty and the Aces. I would take that. <laughs> I think that that will be yeah. great. I think that will be a hell of a series, and I, like I said, i definitely sign up for that. Now, Paloma, I did want to ask you about UNLV. Of course, yeah. they're getting ready to uh, start their season up, and, and that should be uh, exciting under Coach Barry Odom. I know he wants to have an SEC-style team. I know he wants to have that kind of SEC mentality with all the coaches he brought in and, of course, where he came from as well. What does, what does the offensive line and defensive line look like? You've got to be, be able to be stout up front and, and you know, be able to be strong on the defensive line as well. How, how, does, how is that shape them up right now in training camp for the UNLV? Yeah, I mean, Barry Odom says it starts at the line of scrimmage. You know, it starts with the offensive line. It starts with the defensive line. That's so important. Um, you know, protecting Doug Brumfield, um, stopping the run, uh, defending the pass. You know, that's, that's, that's where it starts, really. And then you kind of build – your recruiting and your football team around that. So, um, yeah, he's got he's got some some some. What am I seeing at practice? I'm seeing a lot of like discipline, um, mm, okay. a lot of discipline, a lot of attention to detail. No one's you know goofing around or laughing or you know having a good time. Like they're there to work, um, and that's kind of what I've seen that 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 different work ethic this fall camp with these SEC coaches, with these coaches uh, coming from the Big 12, their offensive coordinator coming from the University of Texas, their defensive coordinator coming from Arkansas, um, is just the discipline and, and the, the attention to detail. Um, when it comes to the defensive line, man, they totally look different than, than last year too. And, you know, they've added a couple transfers um, from the SEC as well that has definitely helped. Um, and then the offensive line, they've, they've I know Barry Odom has done a lot of switching around trying to find – um, you know, what guy works great, and he's got a guy from Arkansas on the offensive line, too. So um, there's definitely a lot of new faces on, on the line of scrimmage, for sure, for UNLV. Um, but I'm super excited for their first game coming up on, on Saturday, September 2nd. I think we're going to see a total different brand of football, um, at least from what I've seen at fall camp. I mean, this is like a completely different football team than I've seen in the past when it just comes to their competitiveness. Um, explosiveness. Uh, their DBs have been flying around. Um, Doug Brumfield is getting a billion snaps. They look healthy. Um, one thing I've noticed is just where it starts in the training room, um, you know, in, in the weight room, how they're eating completely different than in the years past. So super excited for the first red zone of the season this Sunday. We'll have Barry Odom in, in studio and I get to kind of show Vegas, hey, I mean, it's a completely brand new football team when it comes to like every single detail of this program. So ready to see them in action. I know the guys are ready uh, to start playing. I know they don't have a week zero game. So 
Um, they play next Saturday at Allegiant Stadium against Bryan, and then they're on the road against Michigan uh, Saturday, September 9th. So, boom, you know, it's here. Yeah. Um, but super excited. I mean, these guys, you know, the morale has been really high. These guys look really happy. Um, the energy has been really positive around the football program. So really only great things to report, Q. That's good. That really is. And, and you know, I think that, uh, you know, UNLV is, is going to be coached by a really good guy. I think Barry Odom has a good vision for this team. So I really am excited to see what he's able to do in year one as the head man there. And Paloma will close out with this as he is in year one. What do you think realistic expectations are for this program this year? What, what kind of win total should he be aiming for this year? I mean, everyone in the building, you know, thinks they're going to be bowl-bound. Okay, um, six wins. And, yep. you know, Barry Odom has taken his teams to bowl game in the past. You know, he was the head coach at Missouri um, in the past. He took Missouri to bowl games. Um, you know, Arkansas has been to bowl games under him, too. So, um, for, to me, Q, it's just like the experience he brings into the room. You know, he's been a head coach in the SEC before. So it's like he, he knows what needs to go in to build a winning program. Um, and the biggest thing at Mountain West Media Days was, you know, he's not trying to build a culture and trying to work about, you know, creating a new program. He's like, no, we're going to win games. We're going to win games fast. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're going to get to work now. We're going to win now. Um, you know, he, he, of course, says it doesn't happen overnight, um, but he wants to turn this program around and start winning games right out the gate. Um, and, and the players, they're all bought in, and I think that's what I've seen is just the buy-in um, of these guys, of Doug Brumfield and, you know, the guys that are, the guys that are left from, from Coach Arroyo's past, um, is that they're super excited, and a lot of the guys have told me that they love uh, Barry Odom and, and his new staff, and they like how his schemes are, are working with them, and uh, the defense is, is super excited. The offense is excited about Coach Marion's go-go offense. Um, and that's totally what we're going to see is, is, is an exciting brand of football when it comes to um, <laughs> Coach Marion's go-go offense. I think I mentioned to you that mm -hmm. his go-go offense is crazy. You know, they run, you know, 75 plays, um, and all of those plays are, you know, incredibly different and explosive. And, um, you know, Doug Brumfield says he's been having a lot of fun um, at practice, you know, go going through Coach Marion's offense. So, um, nothing but good to report at a training camp, but now I want to see them go up um, against other teams. <laughs> right, sure. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And if they're going to be bowl eligible, they got to go get six wins. They got to find six yeah. wins on that schedule, and that should be the goal. That's that's my opinion. It should be the goal to at least become bowl eligible. And if they're going to run 76, 77 plays a game, they got to be in some good conditions. So you mentioned yeah. it. The condition has got to be there. Well, yeah. that's good stuff. It sounds good. Uh, we look forward to seeing it when they get their first action at Allegiant Stadium against Brian. And then, of course, they go off to Michigan and the Jim yeah. harbaugh list Wolverine. So, Paloma, great yeah. stuff as always. I know you mentioned the Reb Zone's coming up. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I mean, tune into our Raiders pregame live show Ooh. on Fox 5 this Sunday. We'll be 30 minutes before kickoff on Sunday. Um, I have a really awesome piece on Raider Nation out there tailgating with them. Um, you know, Kevin and Vince are, are diving deep into the preseason action. So, um, you know, definitely excited for, for the Raiders football season, too, as well. Yep. Um, and then, you know, we got the Aces rolling, too. So we're the official broadcast home of the Aces. So um, super excited for them and, and, and to head into playoffs. And then, yeah, the Red Zone coming up 
this Sunday. Super excited for the first episode with, with Barry Odom in studio. So we are busy at Fox 5, but it's exciting. It's exciting when you got, you know, now we got like three teams playing at once. So super fun. Yeah, there's no doubt. And uh, Raider Nation wanted me to pass this message on to you to, to tell uh, – to tell Josh Jacobs that, hey, anytime he's ready, that'd be great to go on and come back to camp. They're, they're ready for him, Paloma. They're ready for him. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, man. I know. Everyone has been texting me and calling me, and I'm like, man, I mean, once it's, everything is signed and, 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 you know, in stone, that's when you'll know, you know? Right. No, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Well, Paloma, great stuff as always. We definitely appreciate you. Enjoy the Reb Zone. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Q. See ya. See ya. There she goes. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. And uh, there you go. Lots on UNLV, lots on the Aces. And when it's signed, sealed, and delivered, you'll know. And I think it'll be signed, sealed, and delivered sooner rather than later. What does that mean? Does that mean that he'll be ready for the Denver game? I don't know. I hope so. I'd like to see him. Honestly, I'd love to see Josh in camp by the end of the week. I'd like to see him in in camp before this Cowboys game, but I I doubt it. I'd love to see him in, in camp at the latest by Monday. Right, just to get a little bit of time to get out on the grass and get ready for the upcoming game against the Denver Broncos week once. So that's that's my wish list for Josh. We'll see what actually happens. What's on your wish list? How about a couple tickets to go see LL Cool J, The Force Live, The Roots, DJ Jazzy Jeff, Salt and Pepper, all year, all year, and Ice T at MGM Grand Garden Arena. You want to go September 2nd? We got a pair of tickets for you right now. If you want to buy your tickets, you can go to axs.com. But why buy? And you can get them for free. 702-365-9200. Call number nine is what we're looking for here on Rare Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Shoop, shoop, shoop. There you go. A little salt and pepper action right there coming back. I'm not mad at that. Ari on the wheels of steel. Shout out to my man Rich. It's going to go see LL Cool J, The Force Live, The Roots, DJ Jazzy Jeff, Salt and Pepper, as you heard there, Ice T, all at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Got two tickets to the show Saturday, September 2nd. And, man, I don't remember exactly what the name of the song was, but when I used to walk to school, it was the Salt and Pepper song that I referenced earlier. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Remember that? You remember that one, Ari? Are you too young for that? I'm humming it in my head. It's, it's not the same one I'm thinking. No, I push can't it, remember. Push it. That's no, the one was, I'm thinking. No, it wasn't push it. No. No, it was it was a popular song, but it wasn't as popular as push it. But man, it was like all of us. Like I talked about my man Nate earlier that was that was doing colors. Uh the rest of us were doing this one, the salt and pepper. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I can't remember. I'll find it at I some will point. Find it, yeah. yeah, it's 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 me being the old dude in the room, but I'm okay with that. This this concert's gonna be dope. Like Rich is in for a hell of a show. LL himself is fantastic. The roots, I have to say no more. DJ Jazzy Jeff, you know he could put it down and lay it down on the wheels of steel. Salt and pepper, iced tea, the force live. That stuff is fantastic. I'm, I'm excited about that show. I'm also excited about our next guest, Andrea Kramer. She does a fantastic job. She's a Hall of Famer. She'll join us next. We'll talk all things NFL on Red Nation Radio 920.